Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. We're all back together this week. We are reunited by an amazing Katie Ledecky 800 free. Um, coming in from his wife's office in, uh, in Oregon, nursing a, a post-election hangover, Joel Rawlings. Hey, how you doing, Chris? You feeling all right, Joel? Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> No, my, I've got a scratchy voice. I feel like crap and I got to listen to your stuff. So yeah, no, it's a great, great way to start my day. <laughs> you know, for what it's worth, you sound exactly the same to me. So maybe you just sound that bad I, all I, I the guess, time. So, so my, uh, my bored displeasure with speaking with you just is, is manifests itself into like this, this voice all the time. Right. It so, just shines through no matter what your state of being is. Understood. And um, joining us from a brand new angle in his kitchen, Eric Wyken. <laughs> How you doing, guys? Not much. Just I uh, was avoiding all things news and social media for like the last 12 hours for, oh, yeah. for the end of days. You know, you're smarter than me because I, I tortured myself with it with, with many, 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 many updates uh, yeah. on things. But this is not a political podcast. At least not for me. I think, you know, a little bit for Joel. Um, And and I think before we get into this Katie Ledecky stuff, Joel, I just want to offer you one more opportunity to apologize to Greg Meehan for some of the things you've said about him in this podcast. Oh, for the hatchet job you did? Nice (laughs) job, Chris. First, first you start out going off with like, you know, the pedophiles of the world. Then you just start figuring, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rate how people coach. That's the ne- that's the next jump. That's how we, as coaches, we are. We're like once we eviscerate, like we got rid of this, we're going to go after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I apologize. I apologize for being on the same podcast as Chris DeSantis, master at the hatchet job. There, my <laughs> apologies out there. There we go. I think it. You know what, Joel? It takes a big person to own up to your mistakes. And he's pretty tall. Yeah, I am. Um. So I, I'm proud of you in this moment. Um, let's talk about this 800 free. And we want to, in true uh, swim brief fashion, we're gonna we're gonna do a little history because on this podcast, something we've been discussing over time is just some observations on Ledecky. Um, <clears throat> what has changed over time? Obviously, when you have an athlete that maintains a really, really high level for an extended period of time. Um, And, you know, they, they age naturally over that course of time. Like there's just the the formula for success is not going to stay exactly the same. And I think this is a really relevant conversation as we talk about coaching swimming, because I know in my experience, having coached some athletes from, from being teenagers into, you know, into their twenties, uh, very, very often athletes are trying to replicate what was really successful for them when they first got fast, whatever that is, you know, sort of formulated in their mind. And I I can imagine there's a big challenge for Ledecky who was a Olympic champion at age 15. Am I getting that? Is that was London? Was she just 15 years old? So, you know, she got pretty good at age 15. She's still even better 
um, breaking world records. Uh, recently, the 1500 and the 800 free. We're going to take a look at that race um, and, and maybe compare it to what she was looking like in London. But, but before we get into that, um, I want to go to you, to Joel, first, because you sent me about 40 photos of Ledecky and, and they were even annotated. Um, and it's one of my favorite things about knowing you is getting these <laughs> annotated images. So we couldn't figure out how to share them on the podcast. You're just going to have to, you're just going to have to imagine that they're amazing. Um, in fact, you know what, actually, I'm going to try to uh, work on sharing them in the background and, and Joel, you just sort of talk a little <laughs> bit about what you, um, see, I'm going to, I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start with the photos you have of her in London at age 15. Well, I think one thing that really triggered when I was thinking about this was when Eric and I were talking and he mentioned like, um, it's kind of the stroke of 10 years ago. Well, not the stroke of, but it's, it's more reminiscent of the 10 years ago than it was at Tokyo. Um, Cause I remember going into the Tokyo Olympics, we talked about how her stroke looked off. She, she the breathing was a little bit off. Um, you know, just, just her posture. And that's kind of when I sent over those pictures of her behind the block, you know, that's the only images I could really find is like, again, her in, to in London, you know, again, she was a strong kid, but 15 years old, looked like a 15 year old. And then, um, you know, look at Rio, she's got a little more muscle mass. Then you look at, um, uh, but again, it didn't look almost as tone, I guess, um, you know, just, just as, and again, it could just be, she wasn't, feeling 100%. Sorry. And then uh, looking at what she is now, again, where, where the muscular is there, but there's more tone and things to the musculature. And again, it could have just been a couple images, but then going back and watching the swims, um, obviously when you're 15 and, you, and you're you know in the water, you have a different, um, a boomer used to call it a hang angle. So basically just, just how you float in the water. Uh, ba basically she's a lot different then as she is now. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, when we, we think about the progression of an athlete, you know, when I coach club at a club, it'd be like, you know, maybe you have a 10, 11, 12 group that you have an age group coach with. Maybe it's a big group. You have like 12 to 14. And then you have some really you only have an athlete for about four years. And a lot of the research that when I was an undergrad, we would look at was always like, you know, when males and females plateau with power with aerobic and things like that. And I think the problem with those studies was it was all based on, you know, the, the lifespan of an athlete then, which for most women would be you're done at 21, men could go into pro sports. And now obviously, the, you know, the, the, the lifespan of an athlete is, is significantly longer and it's significantly longer for, for a, you know, a, a distance from like Ledecky is unheard of. And, and um, I looked at, you know, the Tokyo swim, if you watch on that left arm enter when she's breathing to her right, you look at where the kind of the ribs to the hip is, it almost like hinged there. And so it's kind of breaking down a little bit as she got tired. You see that left arm on, on, on the, she has a really aggressive kind of punch on that left. It would go way across the midline. And it, the stroke just didn't look quite right. She's obviously so far ahead of everyone that she was able to, you know, win the mile. Um, but now her stroke looks still different than when she was in London, but there's a lot of similarities to it. And I'm wondering again, because now she's able to do the hundred, the 200, she's, you know, available for relays. She's, you know, she has such a wide range. It used to be if you're a miler, that's what you did a mile and maybe you go down to the 800 and then you could be okay going down to the 400 versus someone going from the two to the four to the eight or the one, the two to the four. 
Um, it's just such a range that she has. I think this musculature allows her to go down, be eligible for relays. But um, I think that's kind of why her stroke changed. I'm looking at this this change, almost kind of like um, I send an image to those people that ride like a hydrofoil, kind of the pumping action or, or like a single arm kind of butterfly where she's using um, using her strength of her core, using the strength of her upper body and, and um, kind of a harmonic mo movement into her freestyle, which she had a little bit in London kind of fell apart in Tokyo. She had it in Rio too a little bit. So her, I thought the, the London and Rio stroke looked very similar. The Tokyo one fell apart. And now the, uh, the stroke that she has is a really strengthened dominant kind of version of what, what she used to have back in Rio and in London. So I, a, I think it's pretty, pretty unique. Just as you talk, I'm, I've queued up footage here of the Tokyo 800 freestyle just so people can hear a little bit of what you're talking about, maybe narrate over um, just so I know some people are listening to this, right. And I'm, I'm sorry if you're listening to the podcast yeah. version of this, you know, get up and queue up, you know, sort of three, three minutes and 45 seconds into the race. Um, now we're at the 400 split 404 and Joel's. Right. Um, and so in this part of the stroke, you can see, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's somewhat similar to what she was doing. So if you look at like if you you know just listening along the idea is like early in the race obviously when she's you know pretty fresh you know the stroke has it has power to it it's got some balance to it and um she's breathing kind of high into the right and it was much higher and uh more pronounced kind of a throw than she had in previous olympics and that's why i was like well this is kind of wondering if there's like a respiratory thing going on the way she was breathing and then as she fatigues out that you can you'll if you go to the video you start to see how that left punch it's not as powerful it's kind of kicking up water and it kind of starts to go across that midline so the whole body is kind of warping or, or bending into it which creates a lot more drag in the water a little more form drag a lot more wave drag and so she starts to struggle a little bit more as she's going on um and again you know she's just so much more dominant in the, in the mile that she can you know live with even that kind of a stroke and I, I think one of the things I was thinking about with, you know, with the stroke is like, you know, it's not the, you know, it, it doesn't look like, you know, the, the classic kind of, you know, high hip roll freestyle kind of thing. But it's, I think part of that is, you know, I was thinking like a lot of the sprinters, like the, 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 those velocity curves, when you hit like three meters per second, I guess that's when wave drag really hits you hard. So for her, it's going to be coming off the walls. And then that's about it. I mean, you started going at like what 1.5 meters per second there. So wave drag isn't such a big thing. It's going to keep going up, but it's not an exponential. It's just more of a linear increase at 1.5. Same for the other forms of drag. And so when she's, if she's adding this harmonic movement to it, you know, maybe like, you know, that's why I started thinking of this yesterday. So I'm just throwing out ideas, you know, maybe it's producing less lactate because it's got a harmonic pattern to it. Uh, it's less reliant on single muscle groups as the whole body's kind of evolved into it. Um, and that's what I think is pretty interesting to see what's going on with that stroke. And especially again, like an athlete like this, they can go two, four, eight mile, even hundred and be, you know, strong, powerful. I mean, not kind of the classic, what you think of in a distance swimmer, you know, I always I guess the eighties or nineties, you kind of get the idea that it's going to be someone that's very tall, very lean, very low muscle mass. Yeah. So I, I, I think what you're getting to there, and this is where I want maybe to give Eric an opportunity to elaborate a little bit is I, I think you're absolutely right about the model. So there, there's two, two sort of major points where 
this is kind of unprecedented having this long of a peak in just distance swimming, even in, in men's distance swimming. Um, it's, it's kind of really unprecedented and, um, you know, very, very occasionally you have somebody that will have like a big breakthrough in their late twenties or something. But the typical model is that distance swimmers are quite young and physiologically, you know, if you look at them in that stage of their development, they're definitely just sort of more slight of frame and, um, either kind of like prepubescent looking or just, just pubescent looking. I don't know, you know what to say, but like somebody that we would say like, hasn't filled out yet. And that, that sort of like, uh, hasn't filled out, um, build is, is a part of what's making them successful, that they have like a decent sort of endurance to weight ratio or strength to weight ratio in the one that they're at. And that is tough to sustain as their body matures. And they, like most people do into their twenties, um, get some more musculature on their frame. Eric, is that, does that jibe with what you're seeing? Like, what do you, what do you see when you compare these Ledecky races? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that the, that what Joel had spoken to with regards to some kind of respiratory issue, I would like to think that would be the case in terms of what we saw, but it, I mean, what I, my, my opinion, looking at it, I see a real <laughs> degradation of the stroke into Tokyo. Like, I mean, it just looks like she's struggling. So I don't know. We never got any info about her as how she was feeling leading up to it. We saw trials didn't look great, didn't look terrible, but then watching her, um, just essentially scramble through Tokyo, you know, the right. two and the four really caught up to her. Like she just could not compete no matter how much she tried to will herself into winning either of those races. She ran up against somebody who has a bit more of that, that very lean, low profile, you know, sitting in the water as such versus her who's much more muscularly dense. Um, I'd like to think that she's in the middle of maybe a, a transition to where she ultimately wants to end up being. I, I do agree where she is muscularly that her stroke is going to change. Like there's, I don't know. I don't know of anybody who's going to be able to put on that kind of mass over that course of time. Who's not going to have an alteration, but it's a matter of finding a better balance of kind of what was working and what happened in 20 and 21 um to to where it is so if that's the case that they you know i'd love to be able to hear from either her or nesty you know anybody in that camp that that would even be open to divulging some of that that information if it does exist but they they are putting forth the effort to to kind of get back to some of the aspects that made sense in 2012 that would make sense here for 2022 um it definitely looks it definitely looks better than tokyo this last week uh time will tell once we get into long course racing again if she's able to um continue with this short course is a little bit of of a difficult thing because the walls can really help you maintain whatever length of stroke that might be there 
whether or not you right. need it, I guess, is, is something right. her, to go. Her, her stroke could still degrade a lot, 25 to 50 meters. Yeah. We just haven't seen it because she's getting that reset, that sort of nervous system reset by putting her feet yeah. on the wall. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really struggle with it, I, uh, but I'm also the kind of person that's like, what's the worst that could happen if you make a change? And that's why I don't coach elite level swimmers. <laughs> and that's why I, and that's why I push swimsuits at this point. Cause I'm always the, I'm ever the optimist. And in, in when you can make changes in a career, I think there's too much weight put into specific areas, but at the same time, I can understand, like she's a very small window to make a lot of money and too big of an alteration at the wrong time causes that window to like really shrink or collapse. Well, so. I think the, I think the question here that you're getting at, Eric, is conventional wisdom for a distance swimmer is that the rhythm of whatever they're doing is so important. Um, you know, and, and Joel has a real fancy word for it. What's that? Harmonic. Uh, yeah. Harmonic what? The harmonic movement, kind of the wave-like yeah. pattern of the body. Yeah, that's what I think. I think most. I'm 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 doing exactly what. Um, our godfather, Milton Elms, would never want me to do, which is, you know, say like, oh, yeah, that's this thing when it, it's not really. But I think it is it is related to what people interpret as a rhythm um, of movement, a rhythm of, of somebody's stroke. And so the this is people, I think, generally have a concept. This is very important in distance swimming. And so the conventional wisdom is if you have a distance swimmer that's already at a high level, don't mess with their stroke because you might break that right now. Like maybe when, <laughs> when uh, her and Nesty were looking at what happened or, or whoever's, I don't know. You know, I don't even know if Anthony Nesty is her primary coach in Florida, whoever at Florida um, that's coaching her day to day is looking at this. They went, well, it's already broken. So we got to do something right. Like you're already just, struggling through all of these races. Um, so we sort of, we sort of have no option, but to change something at this point. But I think that a lot of people at that level um, are scared to make any significant changes in a stroke. They'll just sort of like, let's try to hold together what's there for as long as we can. And maybe that's why people don't have long careers in distance swimming because nobody has the confidence to do that. I, I, I don't know, but it, it certainly strikes me when I'm watching this. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you think about like um, in, in basketball, for instance, like, like Michael Jordan, when he started out, you know, obviously he's jumping, he, he's getting so quick and agile. And then as he got older, he's like, well, I can't do those things. And so he started putting on a lot of muscle mass and he started playing, you know, a little bit differently. And I think this is kind of the same thing is that you've got to, you got to, uh, you know, adapt to the age that you're at, you know? Um, and, and that's why I really respect what's going on here. I think, um, you know, I think there's elements of, of her original stroke in there, but I think also that you, you have to adapt again, you know, being able to do relays, you know, as a professional athlete, I, I would assume that's kind of, you know, adds to your contract a little bit, you know, your adds to your visit. If all you're doing is the mile and you're as elite as she is, of course, that's pretty cool. But if you're doing the mile, the 800, the 400, the 200, the 100, I think that that changes everything. And that makes her, you know, one of those, you know, what you'd call the goat, you know, she's, she's able to do such a wide range. And um, 
And so I, I think, you know, you, you need to adapt and evolve and, and, you know, play around with things like that. And I think that's where it comes in where rather than being kind of prescriptive about, well, this is what you need to look like and we need to figure out how to fit that in, thinking more about the mechanisms that are there at play and what, what you have and, and work on, you know, maximizing those. And that's kind of what we've always talked about as far as, you know, people say, well, what's the perfect stroke technique? It's like, well, depends on, you know, age, apparently now too height, forearm ratio, leg length, limb length, torso length. I mean, there's a billion different things that go into it. And that's kind of the, the art of swimming. And the science, I think, is also just understanding the basic mechanisms that are in play of how, how all these components have to function together into that kinetic kind of chain. And I look at, um, I, I thought her stroke kind of looked a little bit more like a throwback to like 84, like Michael Bryan kind of mile, where there's a lot more movement in the body. If you look at all those swims, uh, there, there's just a lot more undulation. I think, you know, th there's a point where all of a sudden we start to overcoach and that we start to get to a point where, you know, you keep on trying to refine and refine and refine. And, you know, this, you know, what I like about her swims, I've always enjoyed is like, it looks like she's in a fight, you know, at the end, she's just kind of throwing, throwing that left arm hard in the water. The, the head's coming away. It's just like, she's throwing her whole body into the fight. And so instead of Triton Wear as our sponsor, I'd like to acknowledge Peloton as our as the sponsor <laughs> for this podcast right. and think that, you know, it's all the work that she's been doing on that Peloton. You know, it's just getting out there, throwing, <laughs> throwing, throwing bows. <laughs> I thought I had this queued up ad free on YouTube, but, you know, I went to go show the 800 free uh, short course where she set the world record just so I could, you know, for people who are watching the YouTube version of this, you can just get a little bit of a sense of yeah, what Joel's I, I think... talking about. And that's, you know, again, like when you, when you talk about an athlete that I obviously don't know, you know like I, I, you start to look at the nice thing is again, all the, all the footage there is of her early swims or swims now, but also at each point at different parts of the race too. Like, yeah, it's, it's one thing when you're fresh, you're holding your stroke technique together, you're holding your pace. It's another thing when you're just exhausted, you know, it's the last 200 to go and, and what she's doing there. It's like, you know, just, just goes, <laughs> And starts throwing things. And then I think that's pretty cool too. As a guy who really enjoys technique, you also love to see just an athlete getting after it. And um, and again, I think that that's the, the again, just just the ability to um, kind of go without ego and, and be willing to adapt is is something that makes someone a champion like this. Yeah, and special shout out for those of you who are watching the videos, shout out to Fina for somehow making 1080p footage of somebody swimming really blurry and like, so, so they've definitely applied some weird compression so bad. on yeah. this that makes it annoying when you're watching it. You're like, this is, is high quality, but somehow low quality at the same yeah. time. It looks like 480p, but you can but still, if, if you watch that, the, if you watch that race, so that, that stroke, it's kind of, it's, it's going back to that gallop. And we've been talking about this for four or five years where all of a sudden the, the distance from a gallop has been, kind of a big thing and um obviously it's working so there, there must be something going on in there and we don't can't just look at like you know the the classic idea of body position body line you also have to kind of look at you know how these 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 uh muscles are playing together you know to create that wave yeah eric any last thoughts before we um joel had a perfect transition about pro swimming that i had to just blow by um, <laughs> for our, for our next mean, topic yeah i guess i guess the 
if anything, it's like it's it's all armchair quarterbacking at this point. You know, there's a lot. That's of, the whole point um, of this podcast. There's, yeah, there's, we I should mean, call this not I, the swim I, brief, but the. But what, I, but what I'm getting at is it'd be, it's where is the opportunity for this kind of dialogue with athletes and coaches? Are there are there podcasters? Obviously, probably not at us at this point with that kind of access and an athlete or coach having the comfortability in discussing some of this stuff, because I think it's the, I think it's really important as, as you guys are talking about it, uh, Joel is going through a lot of this stuff. It's, it's really important for people to hear what goes behind building some kind of season with an athlete like Katie Ledecky, what's what thought processes are going into it because it is more than just what set she's doing of descending 200s or repeat 800s or whatever it is that a lot of coaches want to get to. If you're really looking for the kind of stuff that could be really insightful is what kind of work are they, are they doing together in terms of, of building this towards 2024 or even 2028 for that matter, that yeah. that's probably still not off the table, but, and I know you don't want to necessarily give away all your trade secrets, but nobody's got a Katie Ledecky in their back pocket in their club right now. There really aren't very many of those kids floating. There isn't one. There's only one Katie Ledecky, but you're looking at, you know, McIntosh is down in Florida instead of being up in Canada, but it's just, uh, this is the kind of stuff that would help progress American swimming to be able to take advantage of the sheer numbers that we have mm. is getting a little bit more, I would think getting more into some of this detail of sharing of, of what's going on with it. So coaches can be thinking a little bit more than well, just replicate all of the practices and sets that she did for six months. And then all of a sudden I'll have a, a national team member too on my resume. See, but I, I think, think you're, I think you're, Eric said, was, it was the idea that we, we've so many times we've gone like, um, you know, you, you think, wow, he's got a four-year plan. Like that's, that's the ultimate, like you've got a four-year, your quadrennial plans. Like, well, d- do we start going maybe 10, 12-year plans too? Like you, you've got obviously the changes physiologically that happen, you know, when an athlete hits 25, you know, that's something that when I coached, I never thought about because I've got kids either up to 18 and you're handing them off to a college coach or your college coach and they're done at 21. Now you've got these pro athletes. Again, you you have you can't just go a four-year plan. Maybe it's a 10-year plan, maybe it's a 12-year plan. And also what Eric was saying is kind of again the the idea of, you know, I think so many times we're looking for the prescription, you know, the kind of like a doctor handing out a prescription. You're just like, you had that illness, I've got that too. What, what's your prescription? I'll just I'll take whatever meds you're taking. Versus understanding the mechanisms behind it, like you're saying, of of just kind of going, why did you make this change? And then, then starting to go is like, are, are these changes that that make sense for me? But again, looking again at the athlete now, the athlete that is going to become down the road and what we're going to need to do to confront aging and, and, and the loss of certain functions, but the gain of other functions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Eric has his answer, though, for why maybe maybe why it's it's not likely to happen, even as he's describing it, because I think any attempt to get into, you know, for instance, what the process is here, overwhelming attention will be given to the pieces. Like people will be like, well, what? Yeah. But give me the workout. Like what workout do you yeah. do? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, right. And then exactly. Yeah. There will even be people who will, instead of observing, you know, like 
the sort of general picture of what's happening, zero in on like, okay, I just need to like reverse engineer this and then I'll have the next Katie Ledecky instead of sort of like looking more conceptually, that's what, what's happened to achieve this. And I just picture somebody else on the other end who either, I, I do think they're probably, I have run into coaches who are like very tightly guarding whatever it is they're doing. And I, I, I never find myself relating to those people, but maybe, maybe I, it's just because I don't have um, something that needs to be guarded that well. But I always think like, gosh, if, if everybody could steal your secrets, if you just explained it to other people for like 45 minutes to an hour, I would have hoped you have more than that. You know what I mean? Like you, you should be able to just give like a tiny sliver of what's going on. Um, and I think that's, that's really, um, really what we're asking for here. And the most likely person to get it is probably Brett Hawk, not yeah. this podcast. So Brett, With or without go out there. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, not Brett who doesn't listen to this podcast, but Nate, who does listen to the, the swim nerd, who does listen to this podcast, go ahead and get Brett to get that information for us so that we can, uh, do a podcast on it. Okay. Let's pivot to talk about professional swimming. I got two examples of athletes and, you know, I don't want to talk that specifically about either of them, but it's just sort of notable to me um, because one of those topics that we've gone to a lot of times here is professional swimming. And like, I think one of our, one of our overall themes is what does professional swimming mean? Like we're always looking at teams, you know, they start their pro group. What does that mean? How are they funding it? What is, you know, what is the borderline for considering something professional? Let's, let's take a look at the other end of it. Um, Michael Andrew is a professional swimming athlete, um, has been for a long time. Actually, we're probably coming up on 10 years of him being professional swimming athlete. Just, there's just a series of World Cup meets that just took place. And as far as I can tell, Michael Andrew was a complete non-factor in them. And this should be right in his wheelhouse. Like these are meets with fifties of stroke in short course. Um, that is. And it's prelims finals. There's no semis. It's, it's <laughs> and he doesn't even have to swim semis. Thank you, Eric. Um, so I am color me confused about why you would make that kind of decision. I, I really don't understand what the strategy is um, within camp Andrew and, and um you know, I'm trying not to let my personal bias um, about uh, about his political behavior filter into this. Um, and then we have um, another person who's recently declared pro. We have Reagan Smith, who um, didn't take part. Again, what is going on, Eric, that pro athletes in the sport of swimming are seemingly not emphasizing a big pro swimming opportunity like the FINA World Cup. I've been trying to figure it out myself in terms of, of where it is. It, it maybe it's, I, if you're giving the athletes the benefit of the doubt and it's, it's very situational, I guess, um, if, if, Michael Andrew is taking an, a really extended break again, um, or he's retooling something, you know, he's, I don't follow him on any platform. So 
um, if he's out vacationing or whatever it is, it just seems like somebody like him, if he is living in San Diego, could well, pop he on recently a plane. did an open water swim he, that yeah. he got disqualified so, from. <laughs> <laughs> and as I had a friend text, I don't me, know how, they, I don't know how they, that didn't make it on my radar, but no, no, no. Uh, I, 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 just, I had a friend text me about it and go. I think they, the race organizers probably looked and saw Michael Andrew was going to attempt an open water swim and just pre- preemptively disqualified him to <laughs> discourage him from attempting it. But no, I mean, that, yeah. that's a joke. That's not, that's not really what happened, but he did yeah. recently do some form of very long open water yeah. swim. And I can't tell it, why, but it, I don't know. Maybe it's fun. He's been doing a lot of surfing and a lot of paddling out there in the ocean. So it's um, yeah just doing something in terms of, of swimming, but, but maybe it's a, a diversionary tactic, uh, but to not be able to like put up much of anything in Toronto and Indy and even back to back for somebody who's training really is more or less specifically built for this type of meat scenario is just kind of head scratching. And, uh, you know, with, with world champs coming up and being short course, it's like, what's going on the same thing with with you know reagan is transitioning into a pro career as it is um you know again full disclosure i work for speedo but i have no details on her on her arrangement with the brand at all but going from an nil deal to a full partnership um you know it just the writing was on the wall a little bit and trying to recover from the lack of success since that 200 backstroke world record. She just hasn't been able to get very close. This last year was closer, but, you know, moving over to Bowman at ASU, there wasn't a lot of participation at all from that group in, in the series. I mean, Filkinger was, but she did, she dipped out the last day in Indy. Um, to go show a house because she's also a real estate agent now. Um, so it just like, if, if money isn't the issue, you know, and you're just trying to get a big training base. Okay, great. But you skipped two relatively domestic world champ meets an opportunity to swim short course, which she's been doing at ASU meets, you know, and doing quite well. And, and not making any money there and she's not on the world champ team is this just a matter of like really really dialing back to avoid stress and strain and not not snap <laughs> i mean i, I yeah. just i i don't get it and then you turn around and hats off to to some of those athletes that really put it out there beta nelson all right, um, here we go. Wisconsin, yeah. Get, get right. all your Wisconsin she stuff fant- out. She had a fantastic series, okay. and, and, and he did a, a really good job himself, Dylan Carter. But unlike Beta, he did not try to do 200s and multiple 200s in a session. And she popped off and made 150-plus grand, and, and so yeah. did he. And Nick Fink had a fantastic series, managed to get his hands on the wall first, and every time he got in the water, breaststroke, which was phenomenal, and I – but it is so weird to see the differences between some pros really not doing anything um, and then others just going all in. It makes you really appreciate what Katinka Hosu did for so long. Like it just, it's mind blowing to see her to what's going on now and just be like, this woman did this for years in weeks at a time and months at a time in a row. See, but, I, I kind of see I got it as, off topic, but 
<laughs> well, so, I mean, you did bring up, I, you did bring up Dylan Carter and I just want to say, I very much enjoy the time in every um, Caribbean nation swimmer's career when you have this wonderfully multi-talented person who can swim all sorts of events and then they just go, screw it. I'm just going for the 50. Like this is, this is the George Bavel move. Remember when George Bavel was a dominant IMer, and then he was like, oh, you know yeah. what? Like I'm just going to do some 50s. In the 50 fly. <laughs> right. Like I'm just going to do some fifties. That's uh, I, as a 50 free connoisseur, you know, I like to, I like to put myself on that level. I'm greatly enjoying that. I actually think less so on the athletes. This is kind of an indictment of the FINA world cup. The fact that the there's so little appeal to competing in FINA World Cups that like multiple notable pro athletes in the sport of swimming or or maybe even like a, a coach of some of the best pro athletes in, in the case of Bowman just sort of goes like, yeah, we'll skip it. We'll skip it. I know this is like this is all there is really for pro swimming this year. Because there's no ISL, right? They'll just go, eh. And for swimming, there was quite a bit of money on the table. Like, it was really easy to make an extra 10 grand if you were. Well, it wasn't really. I mean, it wasn't really easy, depending on who you were. It's easier than it's been in the past. Like, (laughs) you know. Joel, Joel, what do you think? What's what's going on? I think um, think it's a lot like Kardashians. You know, it's like... (laughs) I don't know why they were famous. <laughs> they just also became famous. They started making money. And I, I don't think like a pro swimmer really needs to, to swim to make money. I mean, they just have to do something and make a video and get interest and likes and whatever. So I, I don't know how their contracts are set up. That's such an um, old Some of them are opinion. so bad at social media, though. <laughs> they have but no I'm social media that, talent. I, I'm thinking like with, the, with a lot of these people, I mean, like Regan Smith, she had a couple of bad swims and she goes to world championships and has another, how does that affect her contract? You know, I don't know if they're locked in for four years and you're just going to make some money doing it, but it, you can quickly go into irrelevance. I mean, there's another swimmer tomorrow. There's a 15 year old, there's a 16 year old. We'll just shift the money to someone else. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know the, the pressure that would be on them that, that they have to perform at every meet because all of a sudden you come in 13th. And what's going to happen to her contract then if she has a contract? Again, the person is selling a house. Yeah, you're going to make more money off that house guaranteed than a potential swim. You, you, we have a lot less control of a lot of the other things like that. And Yeah, have you guys seen um, Arizona real estate recently? It's going crazy. So, yeah, you got to I mean, you got, get some of those commissions. Again, it, uh, the, these contracts, again, we always think of like the Ledecky and Phelps contract, but there's probably a lot more $15,000 a year contracts out there than million dollar contracts They're very performance incentive based, by the way. Like- exactly. And so if, if you don't do well to meet, I'd rather just say, I'm not going to participate in this one versus go out there and, you know, you're not feeling hundred percent. You know, if you're going to, again, the, your, your window of making money in that sport is so small and, and your relevance is based on a, so few meets that, you know, the, the, I would rather be disappear than go there and come in 13th or, or you know, you just barely hang on. Or again, it's, it, and it's, it's weird with the United States swimming. I remember at Rio when the, one of the prep talks, the coaches were saying this before they did so well at Rio. It was like, 
no matter what happens, you get bronze or silver, you smile and you go crazy like you won the gold. You know, we, we have to tell our own swimmers that because it's, well, you didn't win. What happened? Right. And, and so that's, I mean, our, the contracts, I'm sure, aren't too far off of that either. So it's not like, hey, you got fifth. That's awesome. It, it, like everywhere in the world's like, you'd be fifth in the world's incredible. It's like, not, not if you're dealing with a contract, you know, not, not if you're trying to increase your, your presence on social media. And so it, it'd be better to disappear than, than to well, yeah. come out average. There are, there are ex- expected engagements. There are expected, you know, numbers of time to compete. You have to be repping the brand. You have to be wearing the brand. You have to be at a pool to compete. I just, and I understand what you're talking about when it comes to why, you know, needing to pick and choose, but it was for just about any of them. It was an easy, a re- I would have to say a relatively easy flight up to Indy for what would be a relatively low pressure situation um, with just prelims finals in a three-day format in a fantastic facility in a city that's easy to get around. There's not a lot of additional stresses there. I just, I have a, I, I get it. There are bigger payoffs in Olympic medals and, and, and world championship victories. Um, at, at the same time, it's like, there's, there has got to be a little bit of, of risk reward when it comes to um, putting up swims for your contract and world cup opportunities come with it. Short course world, world record opportunities. So I can guarantee you Katie Ledecky has got some riders in her contract for those world records got her a little bit extra money. So sure. Um, sure. And, sure, but I, just, I just, yeah, there's, there's so many things that we just don't know about these contracts or what goes into them. Or again, you know, I think, I think these people are still kind of carving the way as far as what a pro swimmer is. Cause I mean, we, you know, we're, we're kind of in the sport a little bit. We don't know what it is. You know, I got paid. That's great. You know? Um, but, but again, I, I don't know. Like I, I look at like a Michael Andrews and just, we take the name out of it and just like take someone that, you know, didn't have a great past couple meets one more meet all of a sudden just makes it the rule and not the exception. You know, one bad meets the exception. Yeah. You know, three bad meets all of a sudden, boy, you know, all of a sudden everything's called on the table. I just, just my personal opinion. Cause I, I really don't know what's going on with professional athletes. I really, again, like I said, with the Kardashians, I don't know why they're famous, but suddenly they are and they're making money doing it. So again, I don't, I don't know how, I, I bet these these athletes probably have a better chance of making money off those clips than they do off of the swim. Yeah, but I think what Eric points to is that actually we don't we don't really have a lot of athletes in the sport of swimming that are like dynamic in any way on social media. Yeah. That is, that are like creating a lot of value for brands outside of. The there's there's yeah. one U.S. based athlete who's really good at social media. That's Cody, Cody Miller. Miller, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And even yeah. Cody, like Cody, you know, he's got to maintain his swimming level. Like he swam well at the World Cup. He had a, he had a yeah, good he, swim. He surprised me with how well he did. But he, he, he's, he's like, he's on a razor's edge, in my opinion. I don't know anything about this and stuff of maintaining a level of performance where it's not like, okay, cool, he's good at social media, but he's not relevant swimming wise anymore. And, you know, that, that, so it's a lot. I mean, I, I, yeah. I just look at a meet, like I, even you say, as you're describing it, Eric, yeah, it's a short trip, but like for a lot of these swimmers, I think they're sitting maybe doing the math and going, I'm going to be out of pocket 
minimum $1,000 to go to this meet. And if I swim well, you know, I might get a check for $10,000. But if I don't swim well, I'm just out $1,000. Like, there's always and, risk reward. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, and they're poor. They're poor, Eric. They're not like, they are not. Some, well, some, some are. Some are not doing They're not well, Michael Andrews, The ones we're talking about are. <laughs> The ones that we're talking about specifically are not okay at this point. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I just, I think if, if there was a year where, you know, um, world cups were going to be at the height of their popularity, you know, with given some of the changes they've been forced into, Fina has been strong armed into basically by the existence of the ISL and then ISL disappearing for the year, this would have been the big World Cup year. And and all that said, the results that we saw out of the World Cup overall were outstanding, right? Swimming was really, really, really fast. I've just, um, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, we're gonna get to the bottom of it, guys. By the end of this, you know, we really will. We're gonna figure out what it means to be a pro swimmer. And yeah. um, then, uh, then uh, Joel's going to become a pro swim coach and uh, we're all, we'll all follow him on that journey. Um, The sun is rising in Oregon and coming right into his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm hoping that's the end of the podcast before I lose my retina share. Thanks. I think that is the end for this week. Um, Thank you everybody for listening. Um, If you want to like and subscribe if you want to give us your comments what do you think of pro swimming right um what do you think of ledecky's stroke what do you see um you know we we love our commenters usually they're more intelligent than average commenters and if they're not they're really really unintelligent i delete them so um (laughs) i do i because i it's i don't know they haven't heard of this over at swim swam but i do do something called content moderation from time to time and, uh, all right, all right, all right. Sorry, that's just one more. I just had to get one swim swam jab in. Um, you want to follow me for positive psychology content? Instagram, Christy underscore coach.com, Christy's coach coaching. Sorry, on Facebook, Christy coach is the website. Um, hopefully, some new pictures of me coming soon because I look even better than I used to and I got to update it. And um, that's all we got for the week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. See ya. Thanks.